0: I love watching good movies, uh, especially um, movies with good actors, and a movie that Jill and I saw recently was The Informant, and I won't tell you what's in it, but um, there's some good issues there of good and bad in it. Um, It's got Matt Damon in it, and I love Matt Damon. In fact, I love lots of actors. I love Mel Gibson. I love Russell Crowe. The list could go on. Although when I say I love them, what I mean is I love their acting ability because I have no idea what the real Matt Damon is like. I mean, I've only ever seen him in movies, but he's a great actor and I love his acting. When we see actors in a movie, we don't really see them at all, do we? We see them playing a role that is not themselves. They act a part, and good actors do it well. And that's good if you're an actor, but that's not good in real life. I mean, imagine if you didn't know if this was the real me. Imagine if this was all an act, if the private life that I lived at home was totally different to my public life. There'd be something wrong with that, wouldn't there? We would call that hypocrisy. And in fact, hypocrisy... Hypocrite simply means actor. In Jesus' day, being a hypocrite was a profession, not an actor in a movie, but an actor on the stage, a hypocrite. And in today's passage, Jesus calls the Pharisees hypocrites, actors, because the face that they presented publicly was different to what was going on in their hearts. Let's pick it up in chapter 7, verse 1 of Mark. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered round Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. Now this happens all the time at the dinner table at our house. We sit up and most meals, someone is there with hands that aren't washed. Sometimes it's me. Uh, But that's not what this is about. This is not about good manners. This is not about germs and healthy eating habits. It's more than that. Verse 3, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. It's all about ceremonial washing. And ceremonial washing is something that um, started in the Old Testament where the priest, before he entered the temple, would have to wash his hands and his feet in a basin of water. Exodus 30 and a whole heap of other passages talk about that. It was called a ceremonial washing because it was really just a symbol of the need to be clean before God before we enter his presence in the temple. A little bit of water can't make you clean before God. It was symbolic. It was a ceremonial washing. Now move on from the Old Testament and in Jesus' day, there was all kind of extra ceremonial washings going on to try and make people look clean. Not commanded by God, but handed down as tradition by the Jewish elders. Verse 3, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing holding to the tradition of the elders. Not the Bible, but their own tradition. It seems that the Jews had come up with all sorts of extra laws to add to the Bible. They were so obsessed with trying to keep the law perfectly that they came up with a whole new set of rules to overlay on top of the Bible just to be safe. Kind of like a fence around it. Kind of like, well, if you don't want to get booked for speeding, make a rule that you'll never drive a car. That way you won't get booked for speeding. They were that far-fetched. For example, the Jews had a rule that you weren't allowed to look in a mirror on the Sabbath day because if you did, you might see a grey hair. And if you pulled out the grey hair, that would be work. And you're not allowed to work on the Sabbath, so don't look in the mirror. Then you won't even be tempted. And they had a whole heap of these rules. In fact, verse 4, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions such as the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. The Pharisees were very good at keeping their laws. And it appears they were also good at pointing out when other people didn't keep them. Criticising other people helps you look good, doesn't it? Verse 5. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? instead of eating their food with unclean hands. Now, I reckon Jesus had a number of options there. He could have said to his disciples, look, fellas, go and wash your hands. It's not going to hurt you. Keep these guys happy. Doesn't do that. He could have explained to the Pharisees why they weren't washing their hands. Doesn't do that. Jesus uses this as an opportunity to point out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees' hand-washing. Verse 6, Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. In other words, it's all an act. It's all for outward show. And it may look good on the outside to be religious, but on the inside, nothing's changed. Look at verse 8. You've let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. He said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honour your father and mother. And anyone who curses his father or mother Must be put to death. But you say if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corbin, that is a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. A little bit strange, that section. Let's unpack it though. In verse 11, you might have noticed the word Corbin, which I think throws us. In the Old Testament, Corbin was an offering set apart for God. People would take some wheat or some corn or some meat or gold or silver and they would set it apart for God. Corbin, that was called. And to make something Corbin, set it apart for God, was a good thing. If I took this $10 and made it Corbin, that means I'm setting it apart rather than spend it on myself, I will give it to God, to the temple. It might get used to feed poor people. It might be used by the priests. It's a generous thing to do. But the Pharisees were declaring things Corban set aside for God and then saying to their own parents, sorry, can't help you out. What I was going to help you with is Corban. Oh, mum, you need some help. Sorry, my money's Corban. Can't give it to you. That's what's going on in verse 11. If you say that a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corban, that is a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. In other words, these extra rules are actually stopping people from obeying God. The whole idea of an offering is to be generous, but the Pharisees are using it to be stingy. And yet at the same time, on the outside, look good. The problem is not only are they being selfish, they're directly disobeying God. Verse 13, thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. For the Pharisees, it's all an act trying to look good on the outside. Excuse me. And you've got to ask yourself, I think, how did they end up like that? These seemingly religious, good people, how did they get so messed up? And I think you could ask the same question of some churches today, couldn't you? How come churches that are meant to be on about helping people follow Jesus, how come they actually put things in people's way? To cause them to disobey Jesus? How can preachers teach wrong things or set bad examples? And the reason today is the same as it was then. The problem is in our hearts. Verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowds and said to to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him rather it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean in other words it doesn't matter how many rules you have it doesn't matter how many seemingly right things you do none of those things will solve the problem on the inside are you so dull jesus asked you idiots Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? It doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach. And then out of his body, literally down the toilet. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Jesus went on. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, Adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these things come from inside and make a man unclean. It's a damning list, isn't it? It's almost impossible to read that list and not see something that's in our life. And Jesus says... That's what people are like in their hearts, in their natural state. Clever people today say that's not true. You can find very educated people who lecture in universities who say that we are basically good on the inside, that we learn to lie, that we learn to be selfish. Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, we can come up with bad ideas all by ourselves. We don't need to be taught. And look at Jesus' list. Verse 21, sexual immorality comes from our heart. The problem is not all the pornography out there or the pictures that you might be able to get off the internet. The problem is not the girl who might look attractive to you or the fellow at work who shows an interest in you when your own husband doesn't. The problem is your heart. Your heart that goes looking for it and soaks it in. Verse 21, theft and murder, they're in our heart. We don't teach our children to take toys from other kids, we teach them to share. Your turn now, share it. We don't teach them to hit other kids, it just happens. It happens out of emotion of anger or selfishness that rouses from within our hearts that some adults still can't control. Verse 21, adultery, Greed. I mean, the advertising industry tries to make us discontent with what we have so that we'll buy more, but we don't need the advertising industry. We can be greedy all by ourselves. Just, something just has to be there. And we want it. And Jesus' list just goes on and on, doesn't it? Malice. That's the desire to hurt another person. Where does that come from? Our heart. Deceit trying to trick someone. Lewdness. Lewdness is trying to push the moral boundaries of whatever is acceptable in terms of dress or social behavior or speech. Whatever is socially acceptable, we'll just take it one step further. Almost any show on TV, that's lewdness. Look at what most women wear today. That's lewdness. Look at how most blokes talk. That's lewdness. Whatever is moral standard of language or behaviour, you just want to push it one step further. Jesus goes on. Envy. Wanting what someone else has. Slander. Talking badly about other people. This is just Jesus describing the human heart. And look at how he finishes the list. The second last one is that we have the arrogance to actually think that we're okay, to think that there's not a problem. We have the foolishness to ignore it. It's 2,000 years on, but I think Jesus has just described the heart of the average Australian. So forget washing your hands, that's a joke. Take a good look at your heart. It's not all that stuff that you read and look at that makes you filthy. The problem is on the inside. And did you notice that in this passage here, Jesus doesn't actually give us a solution. He just points out that man-made solutions don't work. Jesus is not telling us this list of what people are like so that we'll pull up our socks and try to be better. In fact, that would be to get exactly the opposite meaning from this passage. That's exactly what the Pharisees were trying to do and it didn't work. Jesus is telling us this so that we will realise that no matter what we do on the outside, we can't fix the problem. The answer is, the solution is not to start following some rules. The solution is not to start being a good person. That will just turn us into actors. People who look good on the outside and who are hoping that no one will see what they're really like on the inside. God has a different solution. God's solution is to go right to the heart of the matter and deal with it. In fact, Ezekiel 36:26, God promises, "I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh." Do you have a new heart yet? Or are you still trying to please God from a heart that never can? We need a new heart. We need to be changed from the inside out. We need a fresh start. We need a new life. We need a new heart. And as you read on in Mark's Gospel, you see that's exactly what Jesus offers. Through his death for sin... Through his resurrection, through his ascension, he's now seated at the right hand of God. He's defeated sin and he holds the keys to forgiveness. And how wonderful that is. That this entire list from Mark 7, Jesus can wash us clean from. In fact, the Apostle Paul says this, do you know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindles will ever inherit the kingdom of God. The problem is, Jesus says, that's what we're all like. Verse 11, and that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. When you come to Jesus, you're washed of it all. About three weeks ago, I got a thorn in my hand right there on the bone. You wouldn't know it now because it's actually completely healed over on the outside. In fact, by two or three days, the outer mark had completely gone. It looked like it was totally better. But on the inside, it was still infected. And on the inside, the infection was slowly spreading. But I didn't know. I couldn't feel it from the outside. It looked perfectly all right. But 12 days later, 12 days after I'd done it, It started swelling up. My finger swelled, my hand swelled, it spread to my wrist. And last Wednesday night, my whole hand was throbbing. I couldn't sleep. It was locked up. I couldn't move it. And I went to the doctor, got some antibiotics, which I've been taking for three days. They went right to the root of the infection. And it's almost gone. The outside can be deceiving. Looked perfect. Terrible on the inside. Jesus wants you to know that you have a problem in your heart. And Jesus wants you to know that he's the only one who can fix it. And praise be to him that he does. Let's pray. Father God, with this passage today, Jesus speaks to our hearts with an honesty that is confronting. And Father, we know that in our natural state, this is what each one of us is like. And we confess that we do not deserve to inherit the kingdom of God. But Father, thank you through repentance and trusting in Jesus, By his death and by his spirit, we can be washed. Thank you that we can be sanctified. Thank you that we can be justified. Thank you that we can have a fresh start and a new heart. And we pray that we would live changed lives in honour of him. Amen.